<laughs> anyway, our scripture this morning is 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 8 through 16. The scripture's there in the bulletin if you want to follow along. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of, course, of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. May God add to the reading of his word. Once I realized uh, where I wanted to go with this, uh, I started thinking about my time at camp a, a week or so ago. Uh, and it reminded me of the previous times I had worked camp when my kids were there. I was youth pastor and I was dad, so I served dual roles. And I, I tried to stay away from, from my kids as much as I could. I wanted camp experience to be, for them, what it was for the other kids without dad being there. And of course, mom was there too, and, and she did the same thing. But still, dad's there, <laughs> so they didn't have the blessing of the camp experience like, like the other kids. So they had youth pastor there and they had dad there. And uh, I always wonder what that must have been like for them. We've never really talked about it. Uh, I know some of the kids in our youth group that we ministered to over the years, they had different situations. You know, some kids had fathers who were like me, were very active in their life, very present and involved. And, and some on the other end of the spectrum had no father at all. So they covered the gamut. You know, some had fathers, but they weren't present and active. They were absent for whatever reason. Some would come in and out of their lives. So, so it was just a variety of situations. But for me, I, I was very active and I, and I always wanted to be. I was either leading them at church as their youth pastor or I was coaching their sport. I coached football and I coached basketball. And uh, the only one I didn't coach was Emily and she was in dance. Maybe she chose dance because she knew there was no danger that dad would ever coach the dance team. Uh, she saw me dance maybe at a young age and she said, I'm choosing dance because dad would never 
coach that. But you know what I did do? I drove her bus to the dance competition. So even then, I found a way to be involved in that. Uh, so I was always around. I'm sure it, it drove them crazy at times because they could never be just kids because they looked around and there was always dad standing there. But but it was I, I loved them and I wanted to be part of their lives. See, I knew that you you were going to blink and they were going to be adults, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, last night in the yard, I was holding our four month old grandbaby, and she's already trying to hold her bottle. It's like it goes so fast. They, they grow and, and become independent so fast. And I wanted to be part of every aspect of their life. And I think that desire to do that and to be that is something God puts in most of us as dads. To, to be involved and to be a part of their lives. It's like a seed that was planted in me as I moved into fatherhood. And it's a seed that's there because that's who he is. And that's what he wants from all of us to be a part of every aspect of our lives. He wants that for all of us here this morning, for all who would hear this message, to be a part of every aspect of our lives. And I just wonder, as, as I think about our Christian walks, and this isn't a, an original George thought. I think I heard Kyle Eidemann say it once. There are parts of our lives sometimes that we don't want God to be a part of. <laughs> when I, I remember uh, George said once uh, when we were doing youth, youth ministry, we should have a party and invite the kids to the house to watch the UofL UK game, basketball game. And I said, no. Because I don't always act like a pastor when I'm watching that game. And I don't want the youth kids to see that. Sometimes I feel like throwing the remote when the Cardinals don't play the way I want them to play. I've worked on that since then. I've gotten better. Sometimes I watch it after it's over and I know the score, so I don't act like that. But some parts of our lives are off limits. But God wants to be part of every aspect of our lives he wants that he wants to be our pastor or shepherd he wants to be our coach to help us get better and to develop in areas that we need to he wants to be our best friend the first person we go to right you think of your best friend it's the first person you call when something's good in your life something's bad in your life i see something funny on the internet Tanya's not here, so I could say this. The first, I sent it to my, my friend Dan. Uh, and, and second is, is Tanya. If I think she'll get it. You know, I know her very well, so sometimes it's, she won't think that's funny, so she doesn't. But Dan will get it. He gets me. If I think it's funny, my friend Dan will think it's funny. So your best friend, God wants to be that. Every aspect of our lives, he wants to be involved in. So the question as we go through the message this morning is will you let them in? Are there areas that are off limits? But the thing is, if we're going to let them in, if we're going to let God be, our Heavenly Father be part of our lives, or every aspect of our lives, there's some things that we have to do first. Things we have to understand this morning.
some ways we make sure we invite our Heavenly Father into every area of our life. We have to understand we're called to be people of grace. See, God can't come into every aspect of our life if we're not grace-filled people. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from, for, from yourself. It's the gift of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to them, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, that's one of my favorite verses of all time because we want to be big and strong, especially us men, us dads. I don't need any help. But the Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is God. My power is made perfect in weakness. So the weaker I am, the more powerful God is. So anyway, uh, that's a rabbit trail. Uh, But we can't have this moment by moment fellowship with God if it wasn't for the grace he offered us through his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. And we have to understand that. And receive it. There are a lot of people that's been in churches their whole life. And I've spoken with them. They've heard it. But they've never received it. They've seen grace and they've heard it. And they even understand it, but they've never received it. They're still trying to put the I in grace. They're still trying to, to pay their part of it. They don't get the song that we sing, Jesus paid it all. They think there's a, Jesus paid 90% of it and I need to do my 10. Jesus paid it all. What's our part in that? Receive it. Grace is simply undeserved, unearned favor from God. Over the years at the newspaper, I've covered so many court proceedings. It's my least favorite part of the job. But the defendant, they'll talk and and the judge will say, how do you plead? And they'll whisper. You'll see the defendant and the lawyer whisper. Sometimes they'll say not guilty. And sometimes the defendant will say guilty. But when we get there at the end, we're going to stand before God. Hallelujah. And, And George is going to get to say, I plead grace. The grace of Jesus, that's what I plead. We plead grace. I heard a pastor tell a funny story. He was in a crowded airport. He was sitting here, and they have sometimes that little table or bar that's between the seats, so there's a little room, so you're at least not elbow to elbow. And he had sat a, set a package of cookies down between him and this lady, and he got hungry, so he opened the cookies and he, and he started to eat one. And this lady reached over and took one. With an attitude, he said. He thought, oh well, I'll share. It's okay. I don't need the whole package of cookies anyway, he said. So he finished his cookie and he grabbed another one. And, and even with more attitude, she grabbed one. Well, he, he got to the last one and he thought, I'll offer grace. He tore it in half and put half of the cookie in the packets in case she wanted half. Well, just she picked up the half a cookie and ate it. He didn't know what was going on with her, but he thought, oh, well, she's having a bad day. Maybe the cookies will help ease that. Well, he said they got on the plane. They called the number, whatever ticket grouping it was. They got on the plane, and uh, he was sitting here, and she was over here. 
And he said, she reached in her purse and she pulled out a package of the same cookies and she looked over at him and she said, I'm so sorry. She thought he was eating her cookies and he was just eating his own cookies and he was sharing them with her. He offered her grace. He didn't care. He was sharing. We're to be people of grace. Like how many of us would have just said, what's your problem, lady? I'm sharing my cookies with you. People of grace. If we're going to invite God into every aspect of our life, we got to be more like God. We got to be grace filled people. How do we do that? We got to understand first that we're saved by grace. Second Timothy one nine, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Nothing to do with me, but all to do with he. We got to understand that first and foremost. Nothing to do with me, but all to do with he. As people of grace, not only are we saved by it, but we're shaped by it. We got to understand that this grace, that, that was part of the process. The pastor said, you know, early in his life, early in his ministry, he might not have been so graceful <coughs> with those cookies. And that's how we're shaped by it. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Uh, me and uh, Tom Fultz, I don't know if any of you guys know Tom. He, he pastors. <coughs> He's the associate pastor at Salem Assembly of God. And he was talking this week. He said he, he bought some of those brownies from H&R Bakery for his grandkids and they ate a few, but there was like six left and they're just sitting in the front seat of his car. And uh, he's a diabetic like me. And I said, is it like Bathsheba? You know, David sees on the rooftop her uh, and she caught his attention and, and those brownies were like that. And he was resisting the temptation, and, but we're shaped by grace. Those worldly passions and temptations, you know, there's a day when we give into them, but as we let God into every aspect of our life, we, we learn how to not give into them. All the people on your street are buying new boats. Uh, you know, I, I went through that. People in my family, they were buying campers, camping, and, and Tanya and I said, how many times a year do we get to use it? You know, one, once or twice a year, you pay all that money to use it. It's, it's not, don't give in to it. Shaped by grace. And, the, and the, so we're saved by grace, shaped by grace, and then seasoned by grace. Have you ever ate something that you just couldn't get enough salt on? We had some mashed potatoes the other night, and I just, Tanya said, that's enough salt. And I was like, I don't think the salt shaker's working. I poured salt in my hand. So I could physically see it go on the potatoes and I took a bite. I said, I still can't taste that. I quit eating the mashed potatoes because they weren't seasoned good enough. Uh, Colossians 4, 6, Paul tells us, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you should answer every man. Uh, again, going back to that cookie story, that, that was a, 
interaction with that lady seasoned with salt, it could have gone the other way. And it wouldn't have been as pleasant grace. If we're going to let God in every aspect of our life, we have to be grace-filled people. We have to understand we're called. That's not just something God asks us or suggests us to do. We're called to be people of grace. We're also called to be people of growth. Again, it's not a suggestion. It's a call. You know, Tanya and I were recently talking about the ministry. It's like sometimes you struggle. Am I called to do this? Is this, I don't know. Should If it's not a calling, should you keep on doing it? You know, and it's, it's, it's real. All pastors struggle with that. But this is real too. It's a calling for all of us. We're called to be people of growth. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Like I said, I was holding that little grandbaby last night, and, and she's there with the bottle in her hand. She's growing, and she's trying new things, and she's learning something every day. They grow at a rapid pace. And for some reason, in the faith life, people don't. So many people are content. They come in. They learn the, the basics. Jesus died for you. He loves you. You're saved. You're going to heaven. And that's it. That's where the growth process stops. Can you imagine if babies did that? Well, I'm born and I eat out of a bottle. And that's where I'm going to quit growing. That's why some people don't turn everything in their lives over to God. You come in, you get the basic facts, and, and that's good enough. The rest of it's just fluff. I don't need to know that. I got the basics. But God wants more. He wants every aspect of our life, every part of it. It's, it's all throughout Scripture. Look what Paul says in, in Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this. Paul says, there's no doubt, I'm sure of it, I'm positive with every fiber of my being, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So that day that you said yes to Jesus, that day that you got the basics, I, yes, I did that. I remember I, got, I accepted Christ when I was a boy. I got baptized. I, I, okay, my ticket to heaven is punched. I'm good. The learning stopped. I got the basics. I don't need to know anything else. God, you don't need to come into any other part of my life. And that was the way it was for a number of years. Until I realized there was more that, that my heavenly father wanted to be involved in my life. He wanted a relationship with me. But I wasn't realizing that I was called to live a grace-filled life. I, I didn't realize that he was calling me to grow. And there was so much more. That's why we don't. That's why so many people don't. And here's some common reasons that why I didn't and why others don't. I, I don't have time. I work all week. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to Bible studies. Or if you go to church, I don't want to do any extra. I, I've, I've gone to church this week. Isn't that enough? 
We don't grow because we don't get involved. We don't plug into the vine and, and get the nutrients. Flowers don't grow unless they're connected to the root system. God can't be involved in our life if we're not connected to Him. We need to be a people of growth. Jesus is waiting to spend time with all of those who have received the grace that we talked about earlier. And whatever the excuse is, people can fill in the blank. But God wants that growth for us. I remember watching George play football, and he's the size of a house. And I just know, I mean, we'd play in the backyard, and he'd have me out of breath, and he could push me, 300-pound grown man, and he'd get out there with 12-year-old boys who weigh 180 pounds, and he'd let them push him around. And I think, oh, what are you doing? You could have sent him in the next week. Why don't you? You do it to me in the backyard. But it was only because I wanted the best for him. God wants the best for us. Growth. And he'd say, why do you get so mad at me when you're coaching? Because I want the best for you. I want to see you grow and get better. God wants that for us. He wants to see us grow. Here's a few things he wants us to grow. A few areas, but there's so many more. He wants us to grow in the spirit. Connect to the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. And, and so from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We're, we're growing the knowledge of Scripture. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. And then to grow in service of, to the Lord. Mark 10.45 For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom. We want to let God into every area of our life we got to grow. And then the last one we'll talk about this morning. We're called to be people of grit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You know, it's not easy to live a surrendered life to God. And that's why so many people don't. They come in and learn the basics and then they're done with growth. Uh, and that's why I did it when I was a boy. Because it's hard. Salvation and grace is easy. But, but walking it out is hard. And, and a lot of people say, I'll just stay right here. I'll just take algebra one, right? It gets harder as you move on. Living the Christian life is hard. It's hard to walk out. Jesus said that. The broad way, the way of the world, that's a crowded road. A lot of people are on it. But the narrow road that leads to life, that leads to the abundant life that Christ talked about, there's not many people on it. But Paul says there in that verse in 2 Timothy, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We can do it. We have the spirit in us. Here's some ways we can have grit as we walk this faith life out. Courage, conviction, and commitment. Hebrews 11 one says, Now faith is the assurance 
<coughs> of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith. That's how we walk it out. Courage because God through the Holy Spirit is in us. Conviction from the Holy Spirit that's in us. And that same Spirit with grit helps to keep us committed. <clears throat> we'll finish up this morning by looking at the scripture we started with in Second Peter. If you look at verse 14, that's what all of this boils down to. You, we, we read there what, what, what's coming. I don't know when, you know, we, he tells us, Peter tells us that to the Lord a day is like a thousand. A thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So it's only been a couple days since Christ came and lived and died. So in God's timing, but, it, but it's coming. We read that, what this world is coming to. And because of that, because we're looking forward to it, because of our faith, he says you ought to live this way. <coughs> That's what it boils down to. Because, because of this, because you're excited about it, because you've given every aspect of your life to God, because you've invited them in, you've turned it all over to them, make every effort. Do all you can. Give it all you got to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Have you invited your Heavenly Father into all those areas? Or are you a grace-filled person? Or are you growing? And do you have grit as you walk it out? Or are you one of those people that says, ah, it's too hard. And we were, me and a friend were, on a mission trip in Arizona, uh, Delcon, and we were climbing Delcon Mountain. And man, we were turning this corner, and I thought we were to the top, and oh man, there was just another, it was a corner. And he said, oh no, we got another half hour to the peak. I was like, I'm done. And I had just talked my friend Aaron into going further to get to that peak. He's like, you just talked me into keeping going. You, you come on. I didn't have grit to get to the top. We got to have grit to keep going. Grace-filled people, we got to be growing, and we got to have grit to get through. That's how we know we're ready to turn all of our life over to God, to get Him involved into every piece that's a message for fathers here today, but it's a message for all of us. Whether you're a father or not, whether you had a father or not, active in your life. So I hope that speaks to you. I hope it's a challenge for you. Uh, let's, let's finish up with prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Peter's challenge for us, Lord, that we would be found spotless and blameless and at peace with God on that day when he either comes or when he calls us home. Lord, I pray that you help us to live it out. I, I pray that we would realize that we are called to be grace-filled people and, and we're called to grow. And, and even if we feel like we've, we've grown a, a lot, there's still more room for growth. And, and in those moments when we feel like we're worn out and ready to give up, 
that, that we would find more, that we would be gritty, that we would dig in and continue to fight and realize that we have your spirit living in us. We, we see the world around us and we know what it looks like for those people who don't have surrendered lives, who haven't invited you into those areas in their lives. And we know what that looks like. We pray for them. We pray that we would be models of what the other end of the spectrum looks like, of the difference of a life with you invited in. So, Lord, we just pray again for our fathers today, those people in our world who've lost their fathers, who haven't had fathers. Again, we give all that to you. We thank you for your word, and we pray that seeds are planted and they grow and spring forth, and that each of us would examine our lives and see which areas we can invite you in. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.